trombone, ukulele, any style, any volume. So reads the succinct website of jazz musician composer J. Walter Hawks. Whether writing for animation or performing, Walter brings a sense of humor and fun to his broad and varied musical life. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I asked Walter when he first became a jazz fan. Much later than I should have. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> I, um, I was a typical kid growing up in you know, Pascagoula, Mississippi, where we listened to a lot of rock and roll. My group of friends were all big Van Halen, Led Zeppelin fans. Uh, I also was of uh, the early MTV generation, so I also, um, you know, a lot of the new wave stuff. Um, I enjoyed, I was, I really liked the cars <laughs> and, but at the same time I had been taking piano lessons since I was in probably third grade. And, uh, so about the time that I made it to seventh grade, my sister was in band and I wanted to be in band, my older sister. So, uh, I got in band in seventh grade and regrettably used that as an, that as an excuse to quit piano lessons, which, uh, I was pretty good. Uh, but once I got to seventh grade, you know, I wanted to do the band thing. And then, of course, that's when I got my first piece of sheet music and learned, oh, I could actually learn to play songs that I hear on the radio, on the piano, as opposed to these dumb little songs that were in the, you know, the 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 method books that were, you know, kind of like, you know, the watered down classical, which, of course, was very good that I learned it. But at the same time, you know, with that, the the head that I was in in seventh grade, it didn't really fly. <laughs> Isn't that a revelation when yeah. you realize, as funny as it sounds, that you can play the tunes that you actually want to play? Mm-hmm. I mean, if teachers actually did that from day one, mm-hmm. they'd hook us all in a lot earlier. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. I just love you saying that because I haven't had anyone say it, but it's really yeah. true. Yeah, you know, and um, so the, the first piece of sheet music I learned was, the, this is going to date me, uh, the Stray Cats, the Stray Cat Strut, which was, you know, a rockabilly tune, very jazzy. And as I got into high school, um, I was really into keyboards and rock, you know, wanted to play in a rock band. So, of course, I ended up in the jazz band. And, you know, my band director was just amazing. He's a tenor saxophone player named uh, Jerry Ball. And uh, he still plays with the Temps and the Four Tops when they come through town. And he had an amazing jazz improv class. We didn't really have a stage band. We actually had a jazz improv class. I'm sure it was the only one in Mississippi. <laughs> wow. And what grade was this? This was uh, ninth through ninth through 12th. Or 10th, 10th, 11th, 12th, 10th through 12th. It's so great when you've got a wonderful teacher. Yeah, yeah no, he was great. And, um, you know, and he knew Bones Malone when he was in college. And uh, my idea of jazz when I was in high school was the Blues Brothers. I thought that was jazz. Um, I knew of Miles Davis, though I didn't really hear enough of it to get it, uh, get it as in get it, as in mm-hmm. understand it. But I actually knew more about jazz than I thought I did when I realized later, and uh, we'll touch on this, I suppose, when we start talking animation, Charlie Brown was jazz. I loved that music. And of course, I was trying to learn how to play the, the, the theme and got to the point where I could do it pretty well in a couple of the other songs. And I had no idea that that was actually, you know, really jazz. You know what I mean? And then I ended up getting a scholarship to a jazz school. And when I got there, I got my butt kicked. <laughs> and it became more of a, um, more of a, you know, really focusing on jazz to learn about it 
because I was in jazz school, mm. you know, which seems a little funny coming around that way, but it's, uh, I'm, I'm not complaining. It worked for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. And was, know? were you playing trombone yes. then or were, mm-hmm. I got a so, trombone scholarship. So that's when I sort of put really focused on yeah, that. Yeah. Started focusing on trombone cause that's what got, got me into college. <laughs> oh, how interesting. Yeah. And was trombone something that you were drawn to or that was handed to you? In band. I'm always curious how people wind up with a certain instrument. And again, because the animation thing came so much later in life, Mm -hmm. I find this so ironic, but it was because of cartoons, because I always loved all the funny noises. Oh, that's interesting. So more of the sound effects than the music? Sound effects as well as just the visual thing, because anytime I saw a cartoon that had a band and they had a trombone, my eyes went straight to them. I saw live bands as a kid. I try to, you know, especially with, you know, like marching bands or concert bands. I, you know, especially before I really knew anything about trombone, I'd try to watch all the trombone slides to see if they all did the same thing so I could see who was messing up. <laughs> <laughs> it does look more fun, though, because I remember that that was an instrument I wanted to play, and I'd always played piano right. growing up, and I wasn't in jazz band or any band like that, but I had all, all these friends throughout right. school who were, and I was always grabbing the trombone because it to me, visually, was the most fun. And, you know, we share something else. My first instrument when I was three, mm-hmm. that was what I started on, was ukulele. Uh-huh. Now, I have never had a ukulele. How do you say that? A ukuleleist? Well, yes. Uh, how, how yeah, you- I think that's how you say ukuleleist. And then, you know, the real... The real traditionalist would say ukuleleist, I suppose. Oh, but that's, yeah. oh! Now, see, I learned so much on this show. <laughs> this is very good. Yeah, so, a, yes. The, now, the, when did you come to ukulele? Ukulele. About, yeah, I never say that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like if you're Hawaiian, you say it. Yeah, right. But but coming from you and me, it really yeah, 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 yeah. Silly. You know, I feel like I'd be like all hoity-toity if I would yeah. say, you know. Me and my ukulele. But anyway, um, uh, that's more of an aesthetic thing, I suppose. Uh, I started playing about six years ago because my grandfather played it. And kind of out of nowhere, my father uh, had gotten hold of my grandpa's ukulele. who He'd passed away, I guess, when I was six. And um, just gave it to me. And he said there was something wrong with it. You know, he couldn't. there was always one peg that couldn't be tuned. So I, I brought it to a friend of mine who, you know, brought it to a, a guitar store for me, and they, it was just strung wrong. <laughs> you know, he he strung it wrong around one of the machine heads. Well, it wasn't really a machine head because they were uh, it was much older than that. And it turns out that it was, you know, a beautiful instrument. It's a 1927 Koa Martin. <laughs> Sounds like a harp. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and uh, I was on the road with a swing band at the time, as it was, you know, the late 90s, and that's what you did. Um, and, uh, we were on the road, <laughs> six piece band and a, uh, it was a band called Jet Set Six and a six piece band and a Chevy Suburban and my t- 1985 Toyota Corolla and two CB radios. And, you know, trombone is very high maintenance, incredibly high maintenance. And, you know, 
it was hard to really practice. And a lot, you just spend so much time in the car. Obviously, I can't play trombone in the car. And so I just took the uke and I was, you know, learned, just teaching myself. Uh, I, I had some sheet music that my grandfather had had and he had drawn the tablature for a few chords. And, I, I, and you know, I had learned classically both trombone and piano. So I really wanted as just as a challenge, you know, and also in all honesty, when I first got it, I still kind of considered it a toy. But um, I, just as a challenge, I wanted to learn an instrument without taking any lessons, without buying any books. And, you know, I mean, obviously my background that is trained helped me in that manner. But, you know, using those three or four chords that he tabbed out, I figured out how to tune it, and I figured out every other chord, you know, just from the relationship to those. I sort of used it as a Rosetta Stone, so sort of indirectly, my grandfather taught me how to play ukulele. How wonderful, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, and you could practice it in the back of the car, even with other music going on, you don't bother anybody, you can work on chords, you can work on tunes, I... I I learned how to play, you know, the court. I could comp giant steps. <laughs> I have to admit, I wouldn't automatically connect ukulele and giant steps. <laughs> you really, I knew, I knew that this interview would take me to new places. I knew that, Walter. <laughs> I mean, it's a parlor trick, in all honesty. Oh, my. But, you know, it was, it was an exercise. Jay Walter Hawks on ukulele playing Painting Time from the Blues Clues television show. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. So talk about Blues Clues. And and it sounds like yeah. you're hitting bongo or something when you're playing oh, the uke. Yeah. So what are you doing? How are you making that happen? That's, that's you know, uh, it's a trick I learned from uh, watching a, a video of uh, Roy Smeck, you know. Uh, and, there, and after a certain point, after about four years of playing uke, I did finally start buying some ukulele books, you know, after I felt like I, I got mm-hmm. the basics down. And um, it was a little thing that they mentioned you could do that some mm-hmm. of the, the, you know, virtuosos would do. I can, I'm certainly no virtuoso. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, you can hit different parts with your thumb of the ukulele and, you know, you can sort of do a pseudo bongo type which thing. Is which is wonderful because really, you get the sound because of yeah. the uke being built the way it is. Yeah. So it's wonderful you can yeah. do that. And then also on that is uh that that was sort of based on the old Bugs Bauer bebop duets. Mm-hmm. I had those in mind. Uh, it's you know two bass clarinets that I was you know trying to cop that style of those fun bebop duets, which those don't never got recorded. They were just you know fun things that you know us jazz geeks like to play when we get together and party. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the whole thing of music in animation is so fascinating because anybody who who watched earlier animation mm-hmm. when there were those orchestras and Carl Stalling and all oh, these yeah. things we didn't even necessarily think about it it was just there was great music it was part of the whole fabric of it but 
You made me think when I asked you about things that had inspired you to put some things together for me that one of the things that really jumped out to me was the Jetsons theme. Oh, yeah. Because I remember loving that. But at the time I wasn't, I was a kid, I wasn't a jazz fan, jazz fan in my own mind. I was like you, just gathering music. I hadn't identified it as, oh, I'm a jazz girl yet. Exactly. And I listen to this now and it blows my mind how hip that is. Oh, totally. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm talking with ukulele and trombone player J. Walter Hawks about great jazz-inspired cartoon music. I forget, did I put the theme to Johnny Quest on there? Yes! Yes. (laughs) It's like totally, you know, totally Kintonian. I was listening to Mr. Rogers as a kid. You know, Johnny Costa, that guy was, that guy was, I mean, the credits would roll and he'd go to Mars. Oh, you know? <laughs> it's so funny you say that because I did a gig in Spokane mm-hmm. 
Washington with a brass quintet. And they wrote everything out. It was really interesting. They took jazz solos from mm-hmm. people I played with from my records, and they played the <laughs> solos. And I'd never done anything like this. So it was right. really fascinating. And really, I have to say, kind of an out-of-body experience to hear a straight classical player play a jazz solo that someone else, a jazz right. guy, played with me. But it was really fun, and I love the gig. But we hung out afterwards, and each one of them, they all had little kids, and I don't have kids. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about various things. And they said, well, are you hip to Mr. Rogers? <laughs> and I was, Mr. Rogers? I said, I don't watch Mr. Rogers. <laughs> they go, no, no. He's a total jazz guy. You've got to get your... And they were saying it because they wanted me to get on Mr. Oh, Rogers right, 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 right. as a guest. And then, of course, I listened to the, you know, watched yeah. the show. And it's just what you were saying. This has been happening and I didn't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and that's, that's deeply, uh, deeply ingrained in my psyche from, you know being a little kid and watching that you oh know? absolutely and, yeah and it's amazing the perspective you get as you get older because for so long it just that's what it is and that's what it is and you don't put it in a bin and then when you figure out later what quote-unquote bin it actually goes in you realize something new you know obviously that something new will be different for whatever it is but you know definitely like especially uh, as i mentioned earlier you know the the, the vince garaldi stuff charlie brown i man that guy you know, and, and, you know, I realized that fairly early on in college that, mm-hmm. you know, and man, I just bought every record I could find and copy or whatever. <laughs> you know? Well, it's so fantastic because I love to hear you talking about this because you're working with a broad vocabulary, mm-hmm. but obviously jazz influence mm-hmm. in the projects you're doing now because people always mention the early animation that they had this great music. And I'm delighted to find out that with Wonder Pets, and mm-hmm. I want you to talk about that, that you're actually writing for a 10-piece. It's yeah. not quite a big orchestra, but it's still 10 yeah. pieces instead of yeah. a synth and another synth, you yeah. know, and all oh, of yeah. that. So talk about that project, how you came to it, what you're doing, because I'm just delighted yeah. with it. It's wonderful. And for the people that might not be familiar with this. Yes, Wonder Pets is a new show that's on uh, Nick Jr. It's for the toddler crowd. It features Lenny the guinea pig, uh, Tuck the turtle, and Ming Ming the duckling. And they go on these mad adventures, saving baby animals in need all over the world. And uh, but they sing ha- a quarter to a half of that their of the dialogue. And um, it's pretty much an eleven minute show with ten and a half minutes of straight music. We use a, like you said, a ten piece orchestra. Um, that much music in a show is yeah. just wonderful oh, it's, it's, and unusual, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. And um, it's it's it, you know it's really great, and I, I'm I consider myself very fortunate to have that job, and it's uh, getting that job had a lot to do with working with Blues Clues before, which is really what introduced me to this end of the business, which is never something I thought I would ever get in. I ne- not that I, w- I mean obviously it's something I it made perfect sense when the opportunity came up. I've talked to other musicians that have been involved with animation, and. The projects that have the most music or or jazz, but just the music we would consider real music in terms of that a real mm-hmm. orchestra or something, is always when the person in charge is a big music lover, mm-hmm. the one behind the money, obviously, yes. and says, I want a real orchestra on this. And so is the person that you're working with this into that? And he, yes, he yes. obviously has and that vision. Yes, the, 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 the head of the music end of it, Actually, didn't make that decision though. That was the head of the uh, uh, the, the actual creator of the show, jo- oh. Josh Selig. Uh, 
And uh, he his his company's called Little Airplane, and they've done a few different shows. They did Go Baby, which I also mm-hmm. did the theme song for that. And he did this show called Ubi, mm-hmm. I, think, I believe. I might have to do real research on that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, Josh is a big music fan, mm-hmm. and he's he thinks, and I th- definitely think rightly so, that kids that age deserve the real thing. Oh, that's so wonderful. Because they're so young that they don't have the social pressures, mm-hmm. you know, of, you know, being into one kind of music or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also completely non-judgmental. They just, you know, take it in and usually, you know, and they enjoy it. And so that being the case, you should be, you know, giving them the good stuff, giving them the real thing, because in the end it matters. You know, hearing a completely synthesized situation, you know, it may seem it doesn't make a difference, but it does. You know, again, go back to Carl Stalling, you know, that I watched those like crazy when I was a kid. And it, I even, it's sad. <laughs> or No, it's not sad. I mean, we didn't really have any orchestral music happening in, in, in the house I grew up in. But I used to watch the Smurfs. <laughs> and the Smurfs, now it may have even been a business decision to use classical music because it's public domain. Mm. However, I learned a lot about classical music from watching the Smurfs. It's well, embarrassing no. that it is that I'm no. admitting that I watched it. <laughs> but, I mean, Gargamel, the bad guy, when he came out, that was usually, um, uh, or whenever they were on the, okay, not Gargamel, they, uh, the, the, when they were on the bird, it was always the third movement of the Moonlight uh, Sonata Beethoven, the, uh-huh. the, in C-sharp minor, that one. Uh, the uh, Pictures at an Exhibition was in that. Uh, Schubert's Unfinished was in that. A um, whole bunch of other I pieces like I didn't know like this. That. This is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, and I didn't know it when I was watching it, but uh, boy, did it help me out in music history oh, class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't the Smurfs like that? Yeah, but I did never, never admitted that in school, man. No, uh, no. way. I think it was wise to wait until now. It'll be our secret. It'll be our secret. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, no, I think people talk about that and Carl Stalling, for mm-hmm. those who might be listening to this who don't know who Carl Stalling is, which it's, breaks my heart yeah. to not say that, but go ahead and talk Carl about Carl Stalling was the composer that uh, dealt with most, most, not all, but most of the classic Warner Brothers cartoons, mm-hmm. uh, Bugs Bunny, Roadrunner, etc. And the thing about him, he definitely did a lot of the composing on his own, but he also had access to the entire Warner Brothers catalog so we could use any of these popular songs that were in the catalog, which is great because, you know, if it's a song that, you know, obviously back then more people knew those songs because they were obviously of the day. And so, you know, you can make jokes that everybody would get. Right. You know, and things right. like that, you know. But that stuff is just amazing. And uh, if you ever pick up the Carl Stalling Project, it's a CD. There's two volumes of it. And they have some outtakes and things like this when you just hear the orchestra. And it is just nuts. It's really yeah, wonderful. I'm yeah. glad you recommended that. I have yeah. that. And I think yeah. it's something that people should get because it lets you go back to that time. I think a lot of people will realize that they heard that mm-hmm. music, but also appreciate yeah. what's going on. If you hear a whole cartoon without actually seeing it, of you know, and they have whole cartoons on this, you know, this 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 C D set, it it's it's really mind blowing.
the money by tomorrow at three o'clock. I take the farm. He'll never make it. Well, you will. Things look pretty dark, son. Pretty dark. Early Warner Brothers scores of Carl Stalling from 1936 to 1941. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Jazz Inspired is produced in association with Steinway & Sons. For a discography of the music played on our show and a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. To find out more about my music and what I'm doing, and to sign up for our email newsletter, visit judycarmichael.com. My guest is singer, trombonist, ukuleleist, and composer J. Walter Hawks. So talk about your gigging group. Yeah. Gigging group is a trio for the most part. Sometimes I supplement it with, a, with a one or two more players. But for the most part, it's just me, bass, and drums. And uh, I do a lot of uh, lesser-known uh, songs from the uh, Tin, Pally, Tin Pan Alley era. <laughs> Yes. Easy for me to say. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I dabble in some uh, originals, and um, I really enjoy a very stripped-down sort of thing because so many of the uh, other things I do as a sideman are so big and produced. And also, in all honesty, with the trio, when I'm lacking a chordal instrument, first of all, there's room for the ukulele when I want to play it. Second of all, when I'm playing trombone, I really like having that space because it really gets me to really get down and dirty with the tune. Because if you can really have the harmony come across in that small of a setting, especially when I'm playing older tunes, I like to really make sure the harmony is there mm-hmm. and makes it and make it very clear. And that's just a real challenge. I mean, it's really purely a self-challenge.
They say it's puppy love with us too. Well, melancholy days when nothing's going right. You have got your ways to take away the bite. When we go walking, I'm no longer blue. They say it's puppy love. So people understand it's very unusual for a horn player yeah. to be playing in a group like this and not have piano or guitar yeah. or some chordal instrument. Right, especially especially when one is playing older music. I mean, you see that a lot more often in uh, you know the avant-garde type stuff and uh, more modern type stuff. But uh, I really like it with the older stuff just because I don't know why. But also, you know, it gives me the option to take it if I feel like going to another planet for a little while. I I, I do, you know, I, I, you know, whatever, wherever my head is at, you know, I can go there.
With that kind of a stripped down instrumentation, stylistic lines become very vague. It's really more almost about the instrumentation. I could do a completely contemporary pop tune, and if it's a good tune with a very stripped down instrumentation, you know, that'll come across. And I mean, typically, you know, obviously I, I stick to more swinging type stuff. But in you know I've I've it, it's 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 really cool and but the main thing it was purely a self challenge and also I really like playing in bars <laughs> and as a trombone player I'm sorry <laughs> I do I had no idea that's what you were going to say and I just loved it. I that do. Was I, mean, great. I play at the, the Ear Inn once a month. It's a place. It's one of the oldest bars in in New York. People have been drinking there for centuries, literally, and they have music there Monday through Wednesday, starting at midnight, midnight till three. And that's when you play. Yeah, that's what's one of the gigs. I mean, I do a few other things. I play at a place called Detour, which unfortunately I think well detoured. Detour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. You said unfortunately, I thought like, yeah, maybe it had gone a off. Couple, a couple of clubs I've been playing at regularly. It seems like they may be on. Or the Cajun's definitely on the outs, mm-hmm. but you know, and I play play, and then sometimes I do, <laughs> I do swing dances, and when I do that, I uh, or in, when I'm in a larger venue, I add vibes, just because I love I love the vibes, and I love I have a, a couple a couple vibes players in town that especially uh, work mostly with uh, Tom Beckham and a guy named uh, Nick Mancini who's now on the West Coast, although I think he's here a lot too. They're great, and uh, I've always loved that sound, and also. Um, it's just, it's different. You and know? you like playing in clubs because, or you like playing in bars. Yeah. I want to quote you accurately. Yeah, yeah, no, I do. Do you just like the atmosphere more like than, the a, atmosphere. than a concert atmosphere? Yeah, You like it's the just, kind of loose vibe? Yeah, I like the loose vibe. Um, I like, I like being, a, like, I mean, I would, of course, if, you know, the Blue Note called me up and asked me to play, I wouldn't turn them down. But at the same time, you know, it's like a place that has little signs that says, please be quiet while the musicians are on stage expressing themselves, um, sometimes can just seem very uptight. I mean, you know, and... Well, you're also spending so much of your life in a studio. Yeah. I would think it'd be really nice to... That's a very controlled... Yeah. I mean, you're being creative, but at the same time, you and I both know that it's timed. Yeah. You're writing to something in its own way. It's got real, yeah. it does have real structure. Yeah. To where this you can come in and, and you've designed something yeah. that in its own interesting way doesn't have a lot of structure exactly. because you don't have the chordal instrument. I mean, that's how I'm, yeah. if I'm understanding correctly. Yeah, 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 totally. And same with the bar. Yeah. It's oh, very yeah. loose. It's very loose, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a social network. Mm. And, you know, to me, I don't know, there's just something about it that just makes me feel, you know, sometimes I have artist guilt. Like where, you know, I feel like I'm just like tooting my own horn as such. Uh, not necessarily, you know, it, may, it might be a, a fair, a kind of a, an American guilt. I don't know that, you know, as an artist, you don't contribute something worthwhile to society. But yet for some reason, I mean, obviously writing music for children in children's television and also just any animation, I mean, to me that is, but especially the children's stuff feels like I'm kind of taking care of that in mm-hmm. some ways. But in another way, playing in a bar... It's very blue collar. Mm. It's 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 a part of the fabric of of you know. I mean, come on, jazz in a lot of ways started in a whorehouse. Well, it did. And, you know, <laughs> it did. And you know, I'm I'm one of the people that refuses to forget that. 
it can get as important as you want it to get, but I, I'm, I'm not a very self-important kind of person, or at least I try not to be. Mm-hmm. And I like things that are a little more, I don't know, there's got to be a word for it that I'm just, I wouldn't say, a, uh, just not not self-important. You know, right, I know, no, I I know what you it, mean. Yeah, well, which is really refreshing because, especially in the entertainment business today, Everybody is pretty self-important, yeah. or at least that, yeah. that seems to be, I shouldn't say everybody, but so many people, that's what it's about. And even I think if they aren't that way, yeah. it's, reinforced, it's, it's reinforced that they are. I read something years ago when Ewan McGregor, the wonderful actor, was first getting started, and I just loved it because in the interview, they kept asking him different questions, more, more and more questions, and finally he said... It's just not natural to talk about yourself this much. Mm-hmm. And it was really charming because I thought, I hope he can still feel this way with all the pressure and all the interest and all the focus oh, yeah. later on. And jazz musicians, to a certain extent, have a history of not taking themselves too seriously, mm-hmm. at least in my experience. They take the music seriously, the good yeah. ones. Oh, yeah. Take the music seriously. And not themselves so seriously, although there have been a lot that take themselves very yeah. seriously, too, which we know. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, too, because, I mean, part of it, too, is maybe even be a little bit immature on my part. I don't know. But anytime somebody tells me something is important, I automatically shy away from it. Oh, you know, that's interesting. When you try to beat it down my, my throat that something is, 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 like, really important, you know, that sort of takes away the ability for me to decide on my own what's on what's mm-hmm, important mm-hmm. i mean i i have no problem with you know people recommending stuff and saying it's good but you know uh, and they're definitely you know i'm not saying that things weren't important there's a lot of in because especially i mean this is sort of opening a door but in the 60s you know a lot of that stuff was so intertwined with, with, with what was happening in, in society you know i can't say that, that didn't mean something you know, at the time. No, I love yeah. hearing you say this because I also think, I know you're a Miles Davis fan because mm-hmm. we've talked about Miles. And I, when I first came on the scene in New York and was getting into jazz, I found it ludicrous that some of my contemporaries had exactly the same posture that Miles Davis had mm-hmm. when my peers were mostly white and at the time, very young, mm-hmm. and they were all acting like they'd had a very hard life as a black jazz musician, <laughs> you know? And if that isn't crazy and ludicrous, I don't know what is. And they yeah. were all acting very self-important, and man, I have this hard jazz life, and yeah, yeah, yeah. all of this. And I was, guys were a bunch of, you know, 20-something white people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you playing know. some music we dig. Yeah. That's what it is. And it was stupid. Mm-hmm. And so I know what you mean with that. There's yeah. some of it that was appropriate at the time for the people doing it. Yeah. But I think some people, whether it's jazz or whether it's other things, and I think jazz actually can hurt itself by taking some of that posture, and I think some mm. people have. What uh, do you think? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I could see that. And also, the second you try to posture yourself so close to the art world and calling it that, that, that A word, yeah, it's... It it almost makes me feel like you know I love happy music. It's it's 
I really love happy music, and I mean that's that's why I like to play because it makes me happy. I feel like, you know, by being happy and playing happy, I'm somehow compromising my status as artiste. Mm-hmm. And even when I'm sad, I still, you know, I mean, again, I play because it's it's happy. It makes me feel good, and I like putting it out there, you know. Um, Who were some of the musicians, the jazz musicians, that really brought that across Ooh. for you? Well, Fats Waller. Yeah, I Fats know you're Waller, a Fats yeah. Waller I love, fan. I love Fats. I mean, he, plus, I mean, he's such a, a wonderful um, example of, uh, you know, complete mastery of his instrument, but yet still, what an entertainer. Fats Waller, a favorite of my guest, composer-trombonist J. Walter Hawks. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Jack Teagard's another guy. I was going to ask you about Jack. Because Jack is one of my absolute favorites, and I, I, I definitely pull a lot of uh, repertoire mm-hmm. you know, from him. Um, is he an influence in terms of sound for I you? think so. I think so. I, it, it's hard for me to say who... who my, it all sort of seeps yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, but Jack has that melancholy, you know, sad, happy thing that mm-hmm. I like so much. Thank you. 
old computers Mm -hmm. and you're still using them. I find this fascinating. Tell me why and how and what's going on with that. I was an amazingly huge computer geek in high school Um, and uh, went to a party recently about three or four years ago. Somebody had an Apple IIe set up with an automatic random band name generator on it in their kitchen and it it just inspired me to get my old computer out. Next thing I knew, I was trying to make music again with it because I used to do it when I was in junior high, in high school, and uh, ended up doing an animation short with my sister-in-law, who's a fabulous animator. Her name's uh, Ariel Martian. <laughs> yes, that's her. I like the name. Yes, yes. And um, from that, uh, it was half live jazz orchestra, half Commodore 64, and then um, we used that to pitch to a Cartoon Network, and uh, or Klasky Chupo, actually, that produced the shows. And we did a series of shorts with her animating 1930s-style black-and-white animation with trashy 80s, 1920s music. <laughs> wait, trashy... <laughs> tw- wait, 1920s music as played by a trashy eight, 1980s computer. There we go. And... Uh, it was really, really great, and um, I, I, I really enjoy like the dichotomy, if that's the right word, mm-hmm. uh, between how organic I love the music, but yet at the same time, I love these old computers because you're making computer music for the sake of being, it being a computer as opposed to having the computer try to pretend it's something it's not. I love this. It's... It's so much more honest, and you're taking something that actually exists and using it yeah. for what it's supposed to be used. And I was very, very inspired by the games that came out that, um, on the Commodore 64 in, in the 1980s. Uh, Forbidden Forest was this really dark game that you'd run around in this haunted forest. And uh, it also taught me something about scoring for film. Just the way, it, and also like the very last level when it was completely dark, there was no music and it scared the hell out of you. <laughs> it, you know, because all the other time it had this really, you know, very, uh, very dark, gothic kind of vibe. And another one that was just this total groovy 60s stuff uh, called Master of the Lamp. 
uh, or Master of the Lamps, where you were on a ma- magic carpet and you'd fly through these diamonds and it had this really groovy, like, 60s music. And it was actually, at the time, the sound chip that was in the computer was really advanced, and they were able to get all these really great tremolo effects. And I never did find out who it was that actually did the music for that. But, man, whoever you are, if you're out there, you got a fan right here. <laughs> Perfect. So... You are working. Talk about a guy who has a great time. Or yes. at least seems like you can oh, tell me because you yeah. know him. John Lithgow. John Lithgow, man. That guy. He is exactly like you imagine him. You know, Fantastic. you see him. Yeah. I mean, he's just such a sweet guy. He's incredibly talented. He's very funny. Um, incredibly smart. Uh, and, you know, he does... And he, and he loves doing this stuff for children. On top of everything else he does, he loves to put out these children records and write children's books. And and it's very selfless. Mm. I mean, he I'm, I, I've done live shows with him in front of kids. I mean, he obviously enjoys doing mm-hmm. that. I mean, he's getting something out of it. But at the same time, it's very giving. And uh, it's it's really, really great. But um, I was fortunate to... Uh, um, I, I play in a band with uh, J.C. Hopkins, who has a, 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 a small big band or a large small band we call it the biggish band um and uh, he we've we've been playing around for a long time and he's a great songwriter he's had uh willie nelson record one of his songs Norm jones has recorded his songs and uh he was asked by uh lithgow's record company to produce this project and so being that i'm one of jc's arrangers he brought me in to do orchestration and play on it and so i got to work firsthand with john and it was great. It's a beautiful record. It's called um, On the Sunny Side of the Street. It features old uh, songs from like the 20s and 30s and into the 40s, but things from Betty Boop cartoons, from the Marx Brothers films. And they're songs that are definitely deeper than your typical candied kids' songs. They, and they definitely have some multiple levels to them, but they work great as kids' songs. I was even able to do a little composing with John. We, we wrote a, a verse to one of the Betty Boop songs together. Uh, it was uh, called um, Be Human, and it's about not being mean to your pets. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. That's and, great. Yeah, so we wrote the verse together, and then, of course, you know, recorded it. It was awesome. We went to Los Angeles to record it. We had a string quartet. Um, I played uke, slide whistle, bird calls. I mean, it was just, it was a blast. There's a very simple lesson. But it's easy to forget And I promise you'll regret it if you do That if you're always kind and gentle with your family pet He'll be just as kind and gentle with you Be human, animals can cry Be human, it's easy if you try Don't go around with a heart of stone Sorry and on your own Be human Have a tender word For every animal and bird If we would all be human This world would be in rhyme So be human all the time Share a tasty carrot with your parrot Serve your chimpanzee a pot of tea Sip a sarsaparilla with your camel or gorilla With kind regards to all of them from me Be human
human. Animals can cry. Be human. Won't you even try? Don't think you're wonderful just because you weren't born with a tail and claws. Be human. Have a tender word for every animal and bird. It's futile to be brutal. That won't get you a dime. So be human all the time. A toucan can't be human, but you can. I knew this would be really fun. <laughs> I am so glad that you had the time to do this fresh in on the red eye, or off yeah. the red eye, I guess. Um, Thank you so much for doing this. It's been such a pleasure, and I, I'm very, very honored and privileged, too, as I... I used to always see your articles in Sheet Music Magazine when Aww. I was when I was playing a lot of piano. I'd read pictures. It was really great. Oh, that's so, so, it's so nice. funny. That, uh, I'm, thank I'm getting you. to meet you and talk to you, and this has really been a, a real pleasure. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to playing with you. Would you ever let a piano player come in there and that? Uh, oh yeah. Will, will you take a chordal instrument oh, sneaking in there? Absolutely. We actually, when I play a detour. Um, we have a five-piece band, and I add piano. It's piano and vibes. It's, it's crazy. I want to come sit in. <laughs> this will be fun. Good. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You've been listening to composer, trombonist, and ukulele player Jay Walter Hawks. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. The opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD Trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. To find out more about what I'm doing in my music, visit judycarmichael.com. Special thanks to Tom Rickenback, Stephen Linda Plotnicki, and our webmaster, Megan Lewis. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway & Sons, Newman's Own, and the American Hotel, Sag Harbor, New York. Visit online at theamericanhotel.com. Thanks, too, to Sag Harbor Florists. You can visit them at sagharborfloristandgifts.com. <laughs>